So the choice is Joe Beth Williams as your mom or Craig T. Nelson as a dad. What would you pick? I can't have both. You can't have both. I don't want Craig T. Nelson as my dad. I was going to say Joe Beth, I think. Yeah, same. Yeah. That's a hard dad. I don't want to try to please Craig T. Nelson. Yeah. A lot of pressure. Well, I mean, no, yeah. no, no, no. You think too much coach? Is that what we think? Yeah, that's yeah, okay. what I'm thinking. And like that, that I persona do, and the I character say, are too much. Well, Craig T. Nelson in Parenthood on NBC. I think that's, yeah, that, that's yeah. where that was. It. Yep. He's good there. He's got yeah. kind of an old hippie dad thing going yeah. in that. Yeah. I like yeah. that Craig T. Nelson volume. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Okay, I could go for that. But this Craig T. Nelson. I don't want this Craig T. Nelson. He's reading his fucking Reagan book in bed. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. I don't need that. Uh, Joe Beth sneaking around smoking pot. That's cool. See, that's what's up. That's, that's what's that up. That is yeah. a very funny scene, oh, honestly. That's a hilarious scene, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Okay, just curious. Uh, well, hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast. We gather around a table. We discuss the films you'll never discuss mm. in a film studies course. It is Shocktober 75,000. Lightning crashes, spooky noises. Uh, the weather is very uh, fall, folly lately. It's uh, really set the, uh, the Shocktober vibes. I'm liking it. It's so, good. The yep, season yep. is upon us. It's Libra season. It's I'm a, all keyed up. It's a very, very special Shocktober, as it is Shocktober 9, actually, not 75,000, but it's 9 the 30, um, because we're doing the 30th anniversary of Dalton. Yeah, um, that's right. Your existence. And yeah, therefore, yeah, yeah. you are programming the entire uh, Shocktober marathon of horror movies, and our first pick is... Well, our first pick was, was Day of the Dead, Day which the was Dead. very fun. And our next pick, then, is Poltergeist. 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 Yeah, Poltergeist. There is a Poltergeist, isn't there? Uh, I'm thanks sure. Killing. Thanks Killing. No, that's funny. I think Poltergeist is a thing. That has to be a thing. There's I'm no way sure. it's not. I, I yeah. think I've seen it somewhere on like a Tubi TV or somewhere. A bit, if not, yeah, a full thing. So, yes, uh, the season of the goose is upon us all, and uh, we are talking all things Poltergeist, that 1984 great romp that made us all afraid of clowns before it uh, and so, yeah, we're going to be talking about that. In case you're tuning in for the very first time, though. Oh, wait, I'm still Dustin. Oh, yeah, I'm still Dalton, the birthday boy. I am still Arthur. And we are still talking about Poltergeist. And uh, But we're talking about it in terms of analysis, not in terms of review. And that means <gasps> spoilers. And so we will find out what is the source of the haunting and all of that kind of stuff. We're going to get right into that stuff, but we'll avoid it for the first part of the show. We'll, well temporarily. Temporarily. We'll, we'll put a brief hiatus um, in case you've missed this nearly 40-year-old film. Uh, and uh, I don't know how or why you would have done such a thing, but, you know, sometimes it is a thing. Uh, wait a minute. Hmm. Either of you not seen this movie? I had not seen it prior to this watch, no. I'd seen it once. My gosh. Okay. Well, there you go. So if you're like Dalton and Arthur and don't want to be spoiled upon this, um, the first part of the show will preserve you from that. And this is what we'll do. We'll do a synopsis from Arthur. We'll do our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, just what the experience is of the film, which will be spoiler light. Then we get into a little bit of analysis when we expand the syllabus, and that might involve the gentlest of spoilers. And then finally, at the end, we get down to business. There'll be music to tell you we've gotten down to business and be wearing nothing but socks and talking about all of the details details of uh poltergeist so you've been warned so without any further ado arthur gordon can you delight us with that synopsis please the freelings are living the american dream at their two-story suburban home in cuesta verde california he's a developer for the edition she's a stay-at-home mom their three kids are average children who are scared of the dark and always sabotaging the beer run until the tv people start to arrive and carol ann starts to talk to them Soon, an unseen presence presents itself, moving furniture in the bright light of day. 
but something malevolent arrives soon after in the home, and Carol Ann goes missing. Will the Freelings find their daughter, or will the dream become a waking nightmare? Da-da-da! Cha-cha-cha! Lightning crash. So, there you go. That's the movie. Uh, what do we think? Dalton, you are the picker, and also apparently the virgin. Yes. So, um, how was it the first time? Uh, I didn't care for it. <clears throat> um... You know, maybe I've, I'll like it more on uh, repeat attempts. But uh, on the first time, um, it was fine. It was fine. I was kind of keeping up with the metaphor that you had started. Uh, I wrote at one point in my notes, does this suck? And I did end up writing NOPE in all caps. So <laughs> Good. But, you know, some things are just less than the sum of their parts, I guess. Uh, it's good. It's got its bits. I like a lot of what it's going for. I really appreciate how on the nose the opening of this film is with the you know the old sound off back when tv wasn't god guys do you remember and well dustin arthur you're a young man like me (laughs) dustin do you remember they just ran out of content that when tv would go off yeah Yeah. there there was just no more content for the day unbelievable what did you do when you couldn't sleep the hell you, uh, you listen to the snow. Anyway, well, that is true, and that's I. I do appreciate that aspect of this film, right? Digital static or analog static uh, TV snow. It's a creepy image. So it's a it's an image to build your horror movie around. It works, and I do, again, I do like the the signing off um, with the the national anthem. That that thing that used to happen on television. I like the musical score choices. It's kind of very John T. Spielberg, uh, Amblin universe stuff they're doing just to kind of belie the horror to come i like it but at the same time like there just isn't a tonal consistency that really pulls me in and I, you know we'll get into this later uh the, the famous oh is it toby or tobe by the way toby okay is toby i've heard both okay so uh, you know if you don't know listener famously there's some much ado about whether toby hooper really was the primary director on this or if it was in fact producer steven spielberg uh we'll talk about it later but it definitely feels like there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen which isn't necessarily a bad thing you know hands-on producer with somebody that's never worked on a big studio film is not not a bad thing it worked out great for you know bobby z and spielberg but you know sometimes it just doesn't click and i feel like that's really the case here i i I see the strings too much i guess and i do i appreciate a lot of the foreshadowing that happens but uh, i don't know i've seen too many horror movies i think i just i yeah i get it i've seen a horror movie that kind of has a different vibe until the horror starts. I, yeah, again, I appreciate what it's going for, but I think this is one of the, those cases of I've come to the film too late. I've experienced everything that happened in its wake already, uh, and circling back, it's just kind of unimpressive. Uh, you know, when you hear about people dying on a set, I guess, you know, I expect to be wowed. I want to know that it was worth it. Uh, and I don't know. This isn't worth people dying. It's not that good. This movie is not worth dead bodies. This movie is not worth the body count. And that's that's where I come down on it. It's fine. I like the ectoplasm. I thought that was cool. It was goopy. I like a goopy ghost movie. Ghost movies are often too ephemeral. You know, there's not enough visceral grossness. And boy, howdy, this movie got some grossness, and I like that. Uh, I also just feel like they chicken out on, like, the, the subtext of the movie. They kind of, I don't want to get into spoilers yet, but there's a red herring that seems like, oh, yeah, the obvious, like, cool choice and interesting choice for this movie to make. Yeah, it turns out being something that's less interesting. I don't know. It's sorry, not a good movie. Sorry, boomers. Wow. All right, boomers. Wait a minute. Well, uh, engine Xers, I guess. All right, thank you. Uh, anyway, well, there you go. Um, there's Dalton's incorrect review. Let's go ahead and hear Arthur's. Hopefully, it's better. Uh, it's not going to be. Oh, yeah, um, baby. Gosh, seriously. I, I think that you know, I, I saw this movie for the first time about five years ago, and I wasn't in love with it, and I 
just didn't get it. Uh, and, you know, much to your point about maybe it'll grow on you on a rewatch, I don't think it's going to. Uh-oh. I, I don't think it, it's there. And I, I think, you know, nostalgia goggles side for people, you know, I can understand people with that element of it. Sure, sure. I'm appreciating it. I don't get it. I don't see what's to love about this movie. I don't see what's to like. I mean, there are things to like. I think to your point. Yeah. I think when this movie does something well, it does it really well. Totally. Uh, and so I'm, I I do have some good things to say about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think uh, the development of the family unit and the personalities, uh, we referenced it already, that bedroom scene between Joe Beth and, and Craig D. Nelson mm-hmm. is fantastic. It's good stuff. Developing these uh, people, these characters, uh, that little moment where the kids are playing with RV cars and trip up the neighbor who's delivering a beer run. Uh, it's a fun it's charming, bit. yeah. There are, are moments of that where we get to kind of see the inner lives of these characters, and it's really adorable, and I, I like that element of it. I, I think the first act's super strong, and I really like that. Casting Zelda Rubenstein's a great move. This was her first role, and she knocks it out of the park. She's a lot of fun. Uh, that good voice. Interesting. A really interesting personality. I think she adds a lot of... of charm to this movie now that is the little girl right not the zelda rubenstein she's the psychic the, oh she is the small she's medium. medium yeah yeah she is so good well that's yeah. the thing yeah arthur when she shows up like you're like oh that's the zelda's the whole movie tangina you find somebody name. like that you build a movie around them yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right she's fantastic yeah. heather o'rourke that's the little girl that's carol ann she's not very good she has a couple <gasps> she, i mean she gets to deliver she the they're smashes, here and that's great she smashes their here but she in smashes, the big picture yeah. of things she's fine she's yeah wooden, and maybe and that's she's a kid actor that's where i'm at i guess is yeah. we've had ghost movies I mean, with good kid actors at yeah. this point and, and so i i just doesn't work for me yeah um you know i like the the idea of lambasting the american dream I, I like that through line sure um allowing everyone to see and interact with the ghosts well there's maybe i, I love that i love that the ghosts uh, do stuff in the broad light of day i love that everybody gets to see it yeah. a- instead of like oh only carol ann sees the ghost and everybody's in a gaslighter I, I like that everybody immediately gets to see and interact with the ghost i think that's a great trope and, and something you don't see in horror really ever outside of maybe a, a few bits here well that's what i was about to say arthur it was watching this that i started to know so i was like oh james wan likes this movie because there's like yeah. some stuff in insidious that feels like a little oh, indebted to this yeah. i get a lot of the yeah. broad daylight yeah. scares uh, but again, that you know, all of James Wan's ghost movies that do rely on you know child actors, he casts really good actors, yeah. <laughs> like kids that probably talk like forty year olds. Yeah, um, uh, which is you know a weird kid, but they can act good. Yeah. I thought good. of Insidious a lot too. Yeah, I, I think it sense. apes this quite a bit. Um, the special effects they're great. I, mm. I love them. Uh, the production design is is really fun. I, I like that about it. I like uh, how how well this is developed as this manufactured home, how that works, and how that works thematically. I think it's great. Um, some very memorable moments. Like I said, they're here. Uh, the face melt. The the house in doing its thing mm. at the end of the movie. Um, I think all that works really well. Like you said, the sum never it never adds up to the, you know, be greater than the, the parts themselves. I think it's just so inconsistent. Yeah. I, I think it starts really strong with this kind of, comedy vibe uh, and then it starts to go horror and I think it starts to transition well and it feels like it undercuts itself at every step it, it never wants to go full horror mm-hmm. and I think that's where the biggest argument is about a director and we could talk about it yeah. obviously like you said later um, so I, I that inconsistency kills me I think that um, the satire I think that lambasting the American dream is too heavy-handed early on. It's not, there needs to be a little more subtext. Yeah, Yeah. and then they totally let it go. They're like, this is the thesis statement of the movie. And And then here's the movie. Yeah, and and I think it largely kind of chalks up to, and Arthur, you just were touching on this, that's why I wanted to jump in, is the the, that first kind of comedic family movie, 80s family movie half, 
isn't very funny. Like, it's just not very clever. And I think if that satire was more tightly woven into that first half, I think it would a much stronger movie. See, I think the first half is where it works the best. Really? I think the second half, like, I think the stuff, so good. The battle with You're the neighbor over... right. Okay, The well, battle we'll with the you. Mr. Rogers and yeah, the football game is fun. Uh, the, yeah. the bedrooms. I think the I do like that that first act is, is probably my favorite part of this movie. Uh, I think after that, it just loses, you know, mm-hmm. any sort of balance of pacing i think it becomes very lethargic very tedious it doesn't know where it wants to go uh, i think it knows where it wants to go it doesn't know how to get there gotcha and i think that's where it, that's well it falls apart um and it just feels like these competing visions are playing out by the end and i was just checking out the entire time uh by the time it becomes a, a ghost movie and the the psychic or the paranormal squad are there i'm just losing interest pretty pretty quickly through the end uh, that weird uh, kind of epilogue with the clown stuff is is odd uh, from a character standpoint, I think. Um, I, I do say it ends with a great comic bit, though, uh, that the ending at the, the hotel is, yeah. is, is money uh, and, and kind of underscores what does work in the comedy of this film. But overall, I, I don't get it. Uh, I don't like this movie. I, I have no desire to revisit this after this episode is done. Uh, that's where I stand on Poltergeist. All right, Dustin. You're sitting over there, you're hooting and hollering, steam's coming out of your ears. Tell us why Poltergeist is good. Okay, well, I mean, I definitely am going to confess to the nostalgia goggles. I, I will absolutely cop to that. But okay. I, I, I do think it works. I believe in that 80s dad and 80s mom of Joe Beth Williams and uh, Craig T. Nelson. I, I believe that they are who they are, and and I believe... I think the send-up is working all the way through. Okay. Um, I, I think the conclusion uh, uh, as to the haunting completely makes sense and uh again i i think it's it's well enough tel- telegraphed i think jerry goldsmith's score is amazing mm-hmm. um i and i will i'll give you heather o'rourke you know there's a moment in which uh she is playing semi-dead not super duper well i just think a lot of her line reads are really tenured that's all really i don't know I, she's I, fine i, I mean she's not five-year-olds I, the, that's what they sound like uh, maybe that's what uh, it is you know i mean that's just yeah she she sounds like a kid of the age you know she nails the spooky lines I, i'm not gonna take that sure away from that her they're here is great she's got a couple she's of talking she, i mean her crushes. i want pepperoni pizza thing well that is <laughs> she's like i just want to go eat mom let's go that eat good. Yeah. that's a fun little bit well, yeah. it, it, it totally works um uh, dominic dunn who uh, you know tragically dies the next summer um, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, but she—I think she's great as the sort of self-absorbed teenager that she's supposed to be. I think Big Brother is great. I, I mean, I, I'm on for that. Zelda, of course, is fantastic, uh, and also our paranormal investigators. Before we get to Zelda, mm. I think are are really, really uh, believable and impressive uh, throughout. So they I, are fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy all of that. Um, and the the sort of Americana of the '80s. I mean, it is a piece with a with a, another Steven Spielberg joint with ET uh, of just the suburbs themselves and wrestling with uh, what it is this American dream is supposed to be and what it's was what supposed to work like. I think it is a very Steven Spielbergian style throughout. Um, and I know that that's heavy handed producer or if he's mm. taking the directorial reins away from Toby Hooper. I don't know. Uh, about all that, but it works uh, for me. And so uh, when I think of 80s and uh, those sort of nostalgia pieces, you know, with your backs to the future and your, uh, you know, all of that uh, particular vibe, this movie is just very, very important to that for me. And so, yeah, it works. I think the scares work. I will give you this. I think when we finally retrieve Carol Ann, you know, I guess mild spoiler there, and the movie goes on a bit longer. I think that conclusion should have wrapped into the retrieval. 
uh, rather than being its own sort of separate re-haunting bit. Yeah. I actually kind of uh, I kind of like the epilogue a little bit. I, it's clunky, but at the same time... Maybe a little long. I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of horror movies with an epilogue. Yeah. I think the... Uh, maybe we can get into this later, because I don't want to get too spoilery. Yeah. Because I, I think thematically it works. I just don't think it's executed gotcha. yeah, yeah, as well I, as it needs to be. That, that, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, I, I think maybe it could have been trimmed in some ways, although we do get Joe Beth Williams' bath scene, which was very formative for me as a young person. All right, you little pervert. Um, Wrap it up. Um, you know, anyway, so <laughs> she's a she's a handsome woman. She anyway, is. Um, moving right along, um, I have a type. And uh, that being said, I, I love the movie. I think it's great, and I think it's, uh, as you guys have mentioned, you've seen how it develops and where it goes afterward, And uh, but you can't get there without the genesis, without the sort of seminal moment. Sure. And, uh, and this is the seminal moment, and I was there for it as it came, and I'm all about it. Um, you should be much more careful about oh, your you phrasing when you're so, saying the word seminal. You're 10 years old. Uh, you're <laughs> the one that said seminal a bunch. Uh, I, I get what you're saying, though. You're right. It is, you know, there has to be a Gosh. moment when a lot of uh, things click into place. Right. Uh, for a, uh, a genre. And I, I get what you're saying. And, and, and generally speaking, those, uh, again, g- Genesis kind of moments can be a bit messy. And, yeah. uh, you know, the retellings and the remixes can uh, kind of show up some of the weird wonky bits. And sure, there are weird wonky bits here, but you wouldn't have them without the other. Yeah, look, so. I've been on the other end of this conversation before when uh, we talked Aliens with Alex Bohannon. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I know how it feels to be like, wait, what? This isn't, not everybody thinks this is genius? Uh, so look, yeah, it, it, sometimes it just is too late. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But for me, it totally works. Uh, and again, because I go back to that moment, and I go back to the moment of realization mm-hmm. of the the indictment against the American mm-hmm. dream and Reagan era and you know suburbia and all of that. And so, as I have all of those moments look back upon, they all color my viewings. And so, my continued viewing of the movie is really enjoyable. I like the special effects. We didn't talk anything about the special effects, but I think they work. There's a moment or two of an animated. Uh, Action figure that's a little yeah we referenced dated. it a little bit no that stuff's good yeah. I I love all the effects in this movie there's a tr- that tree stuff oh man that's cool yeah um so yeah that all works for me in crazy ways yeah so same. I'm a big fan big fan of poltergeist so there you go you bunch of geese you poultry geests uh, enough said let's uh, move on to our next little exercise which you're teaching poltergeist as part of a class what's the class what are you teaching and what are you adding to poltergeist to make your particular thematic points i go to you first arthur what say you sir yeah i want to talk about they're here horror at home uh exploring the idea of being attacked at an established home by malevolent forces uh, a lot of times in the haunted house genre, uh, it's usually an outsider family coming into an already haunted property. Yeah, uh, I, I like the kind of flip side of that, where uh, a family living in an established homestead are attacked by some sort of outside force, beset upon. Yeah, yeah, and it usually signals, you know, some sort of, you know, metaphorically, it's a conflict within the family, mm-hmm. whether it's you know husband and wife or parent child children, uh, and I think it's just an interesting uh, way to approach the genre. Uh, so my first pick is going to be The Pact. Oh, uh, we good talked movie. about a long Dude. time ago on Shocktober. Good movie. Uh, was that Shocktober 2? Two, two, I think. It was early. I got a feeling I'm just going to chime in the middle here, but go yeah. ahead, Arthur. Uh, but that, I mean, I think that one sets up a great you know, d- idea of the kind of sibling uh, relationship, the mm. conflict within the sibling relationship, plus the 
obviously the parental, the patriarchal mm-hmm. uh, relationship within that family. And I think it's just executed really well, uh, especially for such a small movie. I think it's a very smart movie that delivers as it needs to. Uh, I think that'd be a good starting point. Uh, from there, we're going to Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, totally. Uh, again, uh, you know, uh, talking about sins of the parents, sins of the community, uh, and what that looks like and how that's explored uh, in just a great, you know, landmark genre moment uh, that is, again, executed incredibly well. I think Nightmare is, uh, I, I'm more of a Michael Myers guy, but I, I definitely enjoy Freddy. I, I really see the appeal of Freddy. Uh, that's one of those movies where I think everything just came together so well. Uh, and, and Nightmare works. Um, from there, I'm going to go with uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Cool. Uh, nice. Probably, I've, I've only seen the, what, 50s, I think is the first one, um, which is really good. And obviously, you can get into the kind of the politics of that, especially at the time, talk about the blacklist, you can talk about communism uh, and explore all of those. But, you know, it's a little more large scale because it's an established uh, society home in a town where everything is under attack and everything's not as it seems. Uh, but I think that's a good jumping in point as well. Uh, I've also heard great things about the 78 version. Uh, it's great. As well. So either one of those, but I think Invasion is just a, a good place there that kind of takes it outside of just the paranormal supernatural. Um, I also want to talk about The Ring, and we've talked about that on the show as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, you talk about viral media. You could talk about uh, urban legends and, and how that works. And finally, I want to go Dark Skies. Oh, uh, you aren't going to go with the uh, year 2000 classic urban legends. That's unfortunate. With I love the, that. But the, they're the all Noxima newcomers girl. to the school. I know. I'm, oh, you're right. Sorry. I just got excited when you yeah. said Urban Legends. No, I, I love Urban Legends. Deep down in my I heart. I know you do. All right. Um, where are we going? But it just doesn't fit the syllabus. Uh, I'm going to go with Dark Skies from a few years ago. Uh, Fun. I don't know an, if I know this one. Yeah, it's a sci-fi thrill. It's an extraterrestrial uh, force. Uh, it's very set up like a haunted house thing where hmm. uh, the kids are acting possessed and the parents are acting possessed. Uh, it's got... Uh, Creepy birds. Yeah, it's got creepy birds hitting the house. Oh, I like uh, creepy out of the birds. flight pattern. Uh, it's really fun. Uh, it's a it's a fun little watch. Um, Anybody it's in got, it? Oh, God, what's her name? She's from the Americans. Oh, uh, Carrie, Carrie Russell. Yeah, Carrie Russell's. In. Okay, okay. I can't remember who the dad is. Um, yeah, yeah, Carrie Russell's the mom. Carrie Russell. Um, it's it's a fun little thriller. It's on Netflix. I think it's a bloom an early Bloomhouse mm, uh, okay. production that they did. Uh, but yeah, again, we got that kind of extra. It's got a great uh, cameo, like eight minute scene probably with J.K. Simmons. He's just got a bit part. And he just nails it. He is, Ooh. he is earning his payday. I mean, he's it's a great. He doesn't know really. how he doesn't know how to half asset. No, he doesn't. It's not in his and nature. He just he nails it for the the bit that he's in it. Um, but I think Dark Skies again exploring the uh, struggles within the family unit. And I think I think in that one it kind of deals with some economic stuff because I think the dad had lost his job. So there's some of that at work as well, uh, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, I think uh, it kind of coattails on the 2008 uh, economic bubble collapse and things of that nature. Uh, I think it's around 2013, though, is when that comes out, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but gonna get another one that I think is fun to explore, again, keeping us out of the supernatural while also implementing a lot of these haunted house tropes uh, in a really smart way. Uh, but I think that's where I'd go, oh, I didn't put it on here. I was going to talk about Funny Games, which kind of completely removes that as well. God, nice. yeah. Um, Good one. But I, I think my reason the there was original? Funny Games... I think I had Funny Games on this. I haven't, but okay. I've, I've just seen the remake. Same. I was just curious. Um, I think I kept that because they do go to, a, I think, a property they own, but it isn't yeah, it's their like a home. Lake house it's like a thing. lake house thing. Yeah. So that's, I think, why I took it off of here. But Makes that was sense. another one. Or The Strangers you could do. But sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Good thank syllabus. you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What do you say, Dalton? What is your syllabus going to look like? Yeah, we're looking at uh, a haunted country class or, uh, the you know, the... Um, when the entire country is haunted houses, 
uh, or Dalton's mad about the second Gilded Age again. Take your pick. Uh, but yeah, we're going to kind of look at this uh, history and, and film class. Uh, and I, I think we're going to look at horror films, American horror films, and how they kind of engage with um, uh, historical American crime. Uh, and that kind of that meeting point between, as Arthur mentioned this when you, you brought up uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, kind of that evoking of the, the crimes of past generations. And, and, how, and I think Poltergeist does do this very effectively. Um, and they kind of, again, they lampshade and foreshadow things to come with the bearing of the, the, the attempt to sweep death under the rug entirely. And then the attempt to kind of memorialize death and then uh, expansionist forces within the world uh, digging up your attempt to close things out. Uh, good stuff there in Poltergeist. Again, I like a lot of what it's going for, and I think it sets uh, kind of the the tempo and the theme for this class very well. So I think we do start with Poltergeist here, because there's a lot to talk about. It's, again, a, a very influential uh, moment in horror, uh, big studio horror, too. Uh, I think that's really uh, an interesting thing about it. I think then we'll kind of pivot to Blair Witch. We'll kind of go strip down indie horror from about 20 years later. Uh, but I think we'll also play, pair it with The Blair Witch Project or whatever the the third, yeah, uh, second uh, sequel yeah. was called. Uh, and I think there we'll kind of talk about production and stuff too. I think there's you can kind of get into, again, Blair Witch is, the 99 Blair Witch uh, you know, is engaging with uh, crimes against quote-unquote witches in, in New England uh, and that aspect of American folklore. Um, and I think when we look at the sequel, we can kind of examine, one, how you sequelize a film that gets so much mileage on very vague uh, mythology and what happens when you try to build that out. I think you can also look at uh, changing film modes, right, the way found footage has evolved from one to the other, kind of looking at the specter of horror movies past. And I think we'll have a fun conversation there because that second sequel, you know, obviously with the first sequel to Blair Witch, they tried to, and I haven't seen it, which is why I didn't mention it. Uh, they tried to blow up the indie success into a studio thing, and then with the, the second attempt at sequelizing it, you have something that's a little bit a blending of those two different approaches, and I think that'll be interesting. I think then we'll pivot to Deliverance, uh, since we've started to engage with uh, urbanites going into rural America. Uh, we'll then look at Deliverance and kind of uh, the forces of suburban sprawl and how that impacts rural areas. Again, we talked quite a bit about that aspect of deliverance when we covered it on the show. Uh, I think then we're going to look at Cabin in the Woods, which I think is, uh, you know, obviously we've done enough horror movies at this point. We can kind of start doing a deconstruction of what that genre looks like. Uh, and again, I, I think Cabin in the Woods is so interesting because it comes at this weird moment in film history, right? It's 10 years old now at this point. Um, I think, right? 2010 is when that comes out. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but again, it's, you know, it actually was done a year and a half later and a huge, it didn't come out on time because a huge studio went bankrupt. Uh, it's got a MCU star from right before they were an MCU star. It's got MCU uh, affiliated people working on it. And it is this entire film about what has to happen for you to get to have a good time, uh, both within the idea of teens having a good time, uh, the idea of an audience watching a good time, of horror happening to teens, uh, ritual and sacrifice that take place underneath all that we know. And this is not me revealing that I've gotten QAnon pilled uh, far from it. I just do think it, well, and then we can talk about that too, probably. Honestly, we can talk about the prevalence of conspiracy, conspiratorial thought within American history. Um, again, really good movie, and I think kind of is a place where we can really broaden the class out and start talking about a lot of different stuff. We'll then pivot to The Shining, which very loosely throws away uh, that the hotel was built on an Indian burial ground and then kind of subversively 
uh, weaves that throughout. Uh, and then again, you know, I think we'll talk about how Poltergeist sets it up as a red herring, and it turns out it was just, you know, your run-of-the-mill Christian graveyard that they defiled. Uh, but then I think we'll look at Dr. Sleep right after The Shining because it kind of takes that macro approach of uh, societal crime in The Shining and then it goes inward and looks at, you know, within the crimes within the family. Uh, I think it'll make a really interesting pairing. Uh, I think then we're probably going to close out with a couple of TV shows, uh, The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, again, more Mike Flanagan work. Uh, kind of, again, a similar note to The Shining and Dr. Sleep. Uh, and then we'll kind of look at some of Lovecraft Country, which obviously, you know, I'm bringing up because I'm watching right now, but I think is obviously, if you've watched the show at all, this is obviously on theme with the rest yeah. of the class, right? Yeah, definitely. We'll probably also look at some episodes of the podcast that they're doing. There's a companion podcast for the show. Uh, it's hosted by Ashley C. Ford uh, with uh, Shannon Houston as a writer on the show. Uh, and they you know, have a breakdown of each episode. I've listened to a couple. Uh, it's really good. Um, kind of talk about the process of weaving in these Lovecraftian horrors with you know, true American atrocity. Uh, and again, they keep finding ways in the show to address different aspects uh, of the American experiment and the... Uh, well, I, I, we'll, we'll talk about it like it's The Matrix 2, and we'll say remainders in the equation for what has to happen for uh, America to be the thing that it tries, that it thinks it is, or whatever. Uh, again, they, they address, you know, obviously uh, Jim Crow era South, but they also deal with crimes against the indigenous. Um, in some episodes, they get into the Korean War and war atrocities in a recent episode. It's great stuff, really compelling. Uh, and good, like good horror, good, like make you go, oh God, ew, icky. Like, yeah, just, I love it. It's goopy and sticky and nasty. Um, and that's the class. Um, I think it'll be good. I think there's a lot there. Uh, we'll probably find some readings, real, you know, historical readings related to each of the movies to kind of pair with it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's the class. And I think there is a lot of fodder to be had, especially within American horror, because so much of it, I think, does kind of engage with the spooky things out in the woods or the spooky things that we buried. Very cool, very cool. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. So the class I would be teaching, and this will, Poltergeist will only apply to one module, and I'll talk okay. about its um, appendices here in just a minute. But I do want to talk just a minute about the class because it's a class I would very desperately love to teach, Ooh. which is a class on gothic cinema. Uh, just, just gen in general, just approaching all things gothic. You've you've pitched a class or two, uh, kind of, or a, I guess a module or two that would exist in this fictional class. You've yes. kind of built out a universe now. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, you know, you start with like the adaptations, you know, your Frankenstein's and your your Dracula's, and just you know what's going on with universal horror in general and the way in which it's you know taking stuff from the 19th century and applying those gothic tropes and and uh, realizing them cinematically. I think that'd be a lot of fun and you know just exciting to do. Um, you can think about the urban gothic. Right, and you know we can look at Brandon Lee and the Crow. We mm -hmm. can look at Candyman and uh, some of those uh, kinds of films that are approaching that. You can talk about just gothic as the subculture in fashion, where the craft would come in, nice. and uh, some other films, you know, of its ilk, where you sort of develop uh, that aesthetic. Uh, your crafts, your crows, your other cool teens. Yeah, yeah, stuff. I mean, you know, uh, the stupid rabbit movie. Oh gosh, there's a rabbit movie. There's a rabbit movie that you love, and I forget. I don't like Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. I you don't realize like, what yeah, it was. You actively yeah, yeah. dislike Donnie, but yeah. Donnie Darko sort of sort yeah. of plays in a some of that. And uh, so all of those different kinds of gothicism, uh, the ways in which gothics, uh, I, I forgot that you disliked it. I'm, so, I'm, I'm famously mad online about Donnie oh, Darko. I apologize. I thought you were talking about Looney Tunes back in action. <laughs> uh, Looney Tunes back in action. 
and then, and then sort of the, the ways in which uh, recreating the Gothic and period pieces. So you can look at Guillermo del Toro. You can look at um, the others with uh, Nicole Kindling oh, and her good most brittle. movie. Good movie. And Ooh. some of those, you know, some I'm del Toro. I'm going to ignore the, the shade that he threw. Uh, yeah. And then I, I think you have to talk about the, the auteur. So you've got del Toro already name dropped. He's, so you're going to do a Tim Burton yeah, you know, yeah, gothic yeah, yeah. thing, which is sort of back in that gothic fashion yeah. sort is of thing. Is there anybody else? That they are kind of the two like big names in like modern gothic. I mean, uh, Mike I Flanagan. Flanagan, do, uh, yeah. You could do Chanwick Park Stoker. Yeah, yeah, Chadwick Park Stoker would be something I would definitely kind of come back into as well. Um, but the the module that I would play up with uh, Poltergeist is a suburban gothic. Okay. Specifically gothic in the burbs. All right. And Are you going to do the burbs with Tom Hanks? I'm not going to do the burbs with Tom Hanks. But uh, we'll start with Poltergeist. Uh, you've already mentioned the Pact, Arthur, and I think definitely that would apply as well. Uh, Insidious, we've sort of name-dropped yeah. already, uh, is definitely another film that sort of plays in the same kind of ideas as well. Sure. And then finally, Paranormal Activity. Yeah. That's my found footage example nice. of it and great, the ways great in, haunted suburb movie yeah and, yeah and so all of those films are dealing with uh family secrets finding their way out some of uh sort of american cultural guilts yeah and hey i'm gonna go ahead and steal the paranormal activity three for my class so i can talk about uh the satanic panic yeah for sure yeah, yeah. thanks so much yeah no problem i you're welcome to have it because i didn't make it so i give it to you for free Ooh, yay. with no royalty checks you know who made that right the uh, catfish guys oh yeah <laughs> isn't that nuts that is so that's cool. That's just cool. That is funny. All right. But yeah, that would be the thing is that I use Poltergeist specifically for the suburbs and the way in which uh, in America, of course, we don't have castles and we don't have, uh, you know, those uh, foggy moors and those kind of things, you know, where Heathcliff can, you know, rip bodices and mm. what have you. So we've got to find a way to do that in a very American vernacular. You know what this is making me think of? What's that? That Dracula series on Netflix that you uh, were so hyped up on. I like it. I watched it because of you. Uh, there's that last episode where uh, Klaus, what's his name? Klaus Banger? Klaus Von Bong. He's got some, yeah. yeah, like very porny name. Anyway, yeah. great actor, but he's got that scene at the start of the third episode where he's like, uh, I, he's like, I can't believe it. Like, everybody's living like a king. This What an insane world you have. It's great. Yeah. Uh, everybody's living like a king and they don't even appreciate it. They're yeah. bored with it. Yeah. And the boredom that that sort of plays into, it, I think, was very much a part of the, the sort of suburban gothic. You know, Bingo. The, yeah. Like, what do we do? We have football and, uh, you know, we just chase our kids around and uh, get a pool, I guess. <laughs> right. And somehow that'll find us happiness and satisfaction in that consumeristic culture, right? Um, and that's very poltergeisty uh, there. So, uh, yeah, I think it'd be a fun class. I would love to teach it. Um, uh, Department chair, if you're listening, um, let me know, because uh, I would definitely write that uh, gothic cinema class today. Hey, Dustin's department chair, if you are listening, don't hold anything I say against Dustin. It's, you know, he's not responsible for me. Uh, he does listen to the show sometimes. So oh, God. That is a thing. Oh, yeah. Hey, d don't, don't. I'm the dumb one. He's good. <laughs> Anybody listening for the last 20 minutes knows that. Yeah, that's a good point. I make it very clear at the top of every episode. <laughs> but there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got much longer. So without any further ado, let's get down to business. It's business. It's business time. Oh, yes, dear listener, and that business is, in fact, analysis, and we are so excited to be talking about that uh, in this movie. I'm going to start off um, not quite big E. Okay. I'm going to start off small E and foreshadowing. Okay. We need to talk about Tweety. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's a great bit. So, the yeah. death of Tweety and the hiding of mm -hmm. death itself. Yeah, I brought it up. It's, I, I got what they were doing. It yeah. was cute. It was clever. 
I mean, but I, I, I think let's just to tease that out. Uh, yeah. Again, American culture uh, since the uh, sort of uh, founding of the process of embalming and yeah, after Lincoln dies. So I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, I'm my my parent grandparents rather were uh, funeral directors, so I'm always fascinated in learning history, this kind of stuff. Uh, so, listener, if you don't know, um, I, I learned recently that the embalming in this country starts after the assassination of Lincoln, right? Because they uh, they mummified well, him war up. War era in general. In general, because they're people, you know, dying far away from home in mass. But, like, Lincoln, that era really does get kicked off because they toured Lincoln's body all around the damn country. And everybody's like, oh, look at him. And they, you know, broke off pieces of his finger. And, you know, that's the whole other part of the story is all the pieces of Lincoln's corpse that are missing. But the death industrial complex is Really fucking interesting, man. Like, I, I don't know if the, either of you have uh, watched Six Feet Under at all, but it gets it gets into it in a fun way. That the, I have the not. HBO show. There's documentaries about this too. I can't think of any of them, unfortunately. There's but, a Duncan Trussell episode that makes his way to Midnight Gospel that also sort of oh yeah, yeah it gets into this. That, sure, yeah. sure. There's some of it in Haunting of Hill House, obviously. Yeah, well, Haunting of Hill House is a great example. So yeah. thank you. Let's keep it in, in the, the horror vein. Yeah, it gets so much into. I don't know, our inability to deal with it. And again, I brought up Six Feet Under because there's a great scene. Uh, what's his doodle from Parenthood, actually? He's one of the, the lead uh, adult children in that. Um, so that's a fun connection to Craig T. Nelson. But he, he talks about, in a scene in that show, being in Greece and seeing a funeral, or maybe it's Italy. Uh, but you know, the, they bring the coffin up on the shore, and everybody runs to it and throws themselves upon it and wails and weeps. And he just talks about, like, yeah, it's kind of weird to watch, but... That's the, it was supposed to feel uncomfortable, and I think there's a, there's really great episodes of uh, Haunting Hill House, Arthur. I'm glad you brought it up. They do get into that stifling of grief that seems to take place in our culture. I don't, I don't understand it. We're just well, I guess I do understand it because it is attached to the big E on the I chart stuff. We'll get to a little bit later in this analysis, I imagine. There's just an in I don't I don't know. Dustin, you've done a lot of funerals. We we're just talking about this before we got on mic. Can, you want to elucidate this for us a little bit, maybe? You got I, anything here? I mean, I think there is this just fundamental denial of mortality that is a part and parcel of a consumeristic culture, mm -hmm. that we have to keep on consuming and buying and eating and, and consuming the whatever the right now and uh, not think about the fact that there are things that last and things that are important and things that you would want to be remembered for. And, uh, you know, that sort of uh, what, what, what death forces a person to do is sort of long-term memory, long-term planning, and consumeristic culture uh, by its very nature militates against that. And so we sanitize and we protect against that because we don't want to give somebody a complex because if they have a complex, they think, hey, you know, I'm not going to live forever. Do I really need another bag of Doritos or do I really need a, another of the newest version of the car I want or the you know gaming console or whatever if, if that's the most important for posterity thing for me to do uh, not the most important mm -hmm. then I then I may not buy the thing and so let's hide that stuff and and hide it from our children mm. you know I mean I, I think Joe Beth Williams's plan is to tell Heather O'Rourke uh, Twitty no, flew away. Twitty flew away. You know, your dog went to live in a you know farm in upstate yep. New York. It, it's not that you know animals die and people die or people you know people not going to funerals in general. Look, I don't think people should hit their kids, but some tough love parenting is uh, you know that old yeller stuff. Right. I'm just saying. Look, there there is value in that kind of weird farm people, uh, cold clinical look at the world because sometimes that's valuable. Right, well, and that's and I, I bring that up, Dustin, because as you were talking, I was starting to think: Is this a tax bracket problem? Like, is this denial of death something that only starts at a certain point? 
because it does seem to me that like I don't know, there are people who live on the the nice edge of this consumerist society seem to have a much better acquaintance with the way things can go bad unexpectedly, I well, guess. I think it begins, as you were saying and alluding to earlier, with that Civil War sort of uh, denial of corruption mm. with death. Mm. And then as we move through World War One and Two, and we get out of the Great Depression and we move into the baby boom and that first you know, major sort of economic success of the United States in the 1950s. Well, you also skipped over the Gilded Age a little bit, which right. I brought up earlier, but yeah, it's kind of a, a very big part of that American boom-bust cycle. And again, so that, that's another one of those places in which uh, the, the embalming process itself mm. is a denial of death, yeah. or at least the corruption, the yeah. rot of you know what goes on with death. Um, but uh, as the 50s roll on, that's when we begin to deny death as even an event, as a thing that occurs. First of all, we deny death its, uh, again, sort of finality and sort of the grossness of it. And it's, again, the, 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 those sort of aspects of mortality, we sort of try to achieve immortality through that process of embalming. Mm-hmm. But then we try to achieve immortality by just pretending it's not there. It doesn't exist. And this is where you begin to run into people who don't go to funerals who never are aware that life ends we begin to lie to children uh, about uh you know pets and deny them their grandparents' funerals and deny them seeing their grandparents die yeah or or when people think they're doing you know they're doing children a favor i think when they do that kind of thing right like oh you don't want to see grandpappy like that no you need to see grandpappy like that you need to know that sometimes the, the computer starts to fall apart yeah and yes it's sad yes it's a terrible memory but also it means it's valuable your goal i mean that's what they don't want the question they don't want to have asked is am i gonna die dad am i gonna die yeah. mom and yeah, sure. because you don't i guess you expect you're supposed to lie in this case instead of saying yeah you're gonna die and so am i and so is everybody else you've ever known and yes, that is bleak, perhaps. Well, and it does kind of make, you know, in this time uh, period of mass death that we're living through, uh, it, it does make you think, uh, I, I get why people are so, you know, they're mad at the wrong things, but there is a certain amount, contingent of people who are mad about the social restrictions that this time period is placing on us uh, that are freaking out about this denial of uh, comforting people as they're dying, right? Yeah. And I, I think it, it is... Some some wires that have not been connected are starting to get connected because of uh, the magnitude of the situation. And obviously right. some people are connecting the wrong dots. But it, it is interesting uh, in just, you know, uh, in connection with this conversation we're having right now. It's we're, I don't know if we're going through a cultural shift on this topic. But it's you know, people are talking about death a lot more than they normally do. Some people are ignoring death harder mm-hmm. uh, than they ever have before, unfortunately. I mean, in Marxist theory, I think we're getting closer and closer to something post-capitalist, where we're beginning to value things that are more and more valuable, and and rolling our, you know, in this particular moment, and that's sort of what people are are I think beginning to wrestle with as they're being denied the funerals, uh, because of quarantine and social distancing purposes in our contemporary moment. Rolling back to the '80s, though, I think part of the indictment is that death. If you are aware of it, then again, you would buy less beer. Yeah, you would. Not be as interested in a new car. You would, you know, not need the latest, greatest. You would need the pool installed. Star Wars uh, bed set, yeah. right? Those kinds of consumer little curios that we sort of look to to find meaning and significance that are fundamentally empty. Um, they are the only re- only way that that it works is without a long, hard look at mortality, and uh, so. 
that's what Joe Beth Williams is sort of reacting, maybe unawares as a character, but um, the threat to that particular kind of lifestyle and understanding is the real problem. Well, and Zelda, you know, when she does make her appearance late in the film, even says, right, you're being haunted by entities that don't even know they're dead. Yeah. There's a continued denial of death, even beyond the, the shuffling off of the mortal coil, man. It's, it's cool stuff. Like, you know, I, I, there's some heady stuff going on in here. Yeah, for sure. So, that, that okay, there there's the first sort of semi... I, I, I'm saying it's not the biggie on the eye chart because it's just the first thing cinematically in terms of runtime yeah. of the film that sure. we wrestle with. Sure. Yeah. So, as we begin to move forward, I, I want to think about Reagan. And I want to think about, again... I think of, about him all the time, unfortunately. Uh, this sort of uh, rationalized... Uh, way of living uh, that uh, the 80s was bringing about. And there's a great line that Joe Beth Williams has where, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the slide across the uh, dining room uh, because of the presence of the ghosts, you know, and uh, that Heather O'Rourke gets put in a little circle and she puts a helmet on and she slides her across. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the kitchen tables and all that kind of stuff are moving around. And she says to Craig, uh, who's just dad, I forget the actual character name here, um, but says to him, Hey, remember when you were young and open-minded? Yeah. Yeah, right? That's a good line. Like, that there would be something more, that there's something possible. There was a time when you gave a shit about something other than uh, building more houses for a subdivision. Right. Uh, Making this other guy put more money in his pockets, and you get a little bit of what falls out into your pockets. Uh, and, And that what was happening in uh, the Reagan era is the closing of the American mind. Well, it's a, a denial of the 60s and 70s, right? right. And I, I don't know, maybe why I'm so hard on this movie is uh, I, I was listening to Blank Check talk about Back to the Future this morning, uh, a couple of days after having watched Poltergeist. And I think that movie just reckons with the the 80s as an attempt to reboot the 50s. And I, I again, I, you know, I don't love every Robert Zemeckis movie, but man, Back to the Future knows what it's doing as far as that that critique of American conservatism, of a look at, uh, and again, maybe it's, you know, it's 1985, so there's kind of a, the, that cultural mood is gestated a little bit more, but I, I don't know, it, it engages with that idea so much better than this film, right? Because it's getting at, the, the 80s are this attempt to redo the 50s, but if you think about the 50s really hard, you realize all the stuff that has been swept under the yeah. rug about the 50s. Uh, and, and the 80s is this period where that's it's getting harder and harder to sweep stuff under the rug, right? And again, I think Poltergeist works at that, especially with lines like that. But I, I just, I don't know, I think this movie from a few years later, kind of working in a separate genre, gets at these ideas a little bit more effectively, maybe. Well, I don't know, because, I mean, the fact is that there is indeed a real spiritual um, vacuum in this family, yeah, okay, and 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 that uh, the movie is uh, one of those experiences where they are forced to reckon with these forces that they sought to deny all along. It's pretty and, standard haunted house movie stuff, right? But you're right, it's I, effective. I, I, unlike Back to the Future, I think that's what this movie is dealing with specifically: is the denial. Gotcha. And so the vacuousness is there because the problem is you keep pretending like none of this other stuff is going on, mm-hmm. that none of this other history has ever happened, that none that there isn't that there is anything beyond just again continued consumption or uh, whatever. And and that your your minds are closed off to options and possibilities and your imagination itself is held captive uh, from really entertaining any of those concepts. And I think that's really the closed offness is that your your imagination does not want to entertain something. I mean, think about the Reagan era and think about contemporary politics. I mean contemporary in this particular moment. Yeah. And how particular labels like Wait, our contemporary or their contemporary? Our contemporary. Okay, thank you. 
So, I mean, think about boomers and what they say or think when someone says something that sounds a little socialist or a little Marxist or something that fits a little bit more of this paradigm versus that paradigm. I mean, it is a moment of the closing off of the American mind. That's uh, The imagination is being held captive by only one set of values, one set of interpretations, one set of understandings, and anything that invades that is simply seen as invasive and needs to be removed. Well, yeah, especially, again, in this current moment where we and now this will be a fun segue into to the biggie on the iChart, probably. Uh, this American moment, uh, America's always been a big f- fan of anti-intellectualism, but uh, this, well, this proto-fascist moment that we're in where we're like, no, 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 don't don't revise history teaching. Don't do that. Ooh, boo, 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 boo. Please, please don't do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. If you do that, they won't go to college. <laughs> they won't be uh, shackled with debt uh, for an education that's only, uh, you know, uh, worth a quarter of what it used to be worth. Uh, I don't know. It's it's very interesting to me. Uh, the what's I don't know, it, it just fits so neatly with the denial of death that we were already talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know it, it's weird how uh, just how gently and with what how, what ease these pieces fall together. Uh, I guess as we start to kind of unfurl the the conversation around this movie. Right, and that does move into the biggie on the eye chart, which is a denial of history. Yeah. A denial that America's built on a graveyard. Well, and that's, of course, I have now thought of what the more clever name for my class would have been, which is America the Grave. Uh, yeah. I know, I just uh, should have thought a little bit of that. the grave. grave. I mean, yeah, that's that's what what is very much going on in this. And again, I think Europe has a better handle on this than we do, probably, because all of their cities have, like, I don't know, eight mass graves underneath the current city. Uh, but something that we really ignore, and I, I don't know, I think it's pretty chicken shit to make the graveyard that their house is built on end up being just, you know, oh, they moved the headstones, but they didn't move the bodies. Uh, when they do, you know, make the comment about a, you know, a native burial ground earlier in the movie. It's it's yeah. a weird choice. And again, I'm calling it chicken shit, but it does still at the very least uh, engage with uh, that American uh, denial of the past, even compared to, you know, since you've been keeping records since you got here. Uh, you're even ignoring that. Your your own dead who came to these shores from wherever they came from uh, and were buried. You don't even have regard for their lives or their their memories. It's pretty honked up. Yeah, for sure. And I I think you know I mean I I agree that I wish it was uh, sort of a Native American specific yeah haunting. specifically in like an indigenous uh, well it, it engaged more with an entreatment on you know an indigenous land. But I think that dilution works for me because okay. what it does is that, that there is that mm-hmm. and there is this that it's it, it there's okay. there there's an exploitation across the board. Okay, uh, all right. Of these various that is know, an interesting point groups of people yeah. right. And uh, so there is no a, one is safe from being thrown into the, the gears and, and that, that we just we want to uh, absolutely utterly deny the past and anything that reminds us of the past, because there is only this present uh, I, again. Th- you know, weirdly, I found myself walking into controversy a year ago um, mm. um, and I've heard some things about it now. And I haven't actually mentioned this particular podcast uh, mm. in class, but I teach an uh, American lit uh, survey class, early American literature, and I do a gothic emphasis on it. And of course, uh, part of what uh, gothic American literature is all doing is wrestling with uh, the haunted American psyche, 
regarding slavery, the Salem yeah. witch trials, Native American, um, you know, removals and massacres and all of that kind of stuff. But on both sides, you know, as far as the Native Americans going both ways, Native American captivity narrative and also this idea of uh, genocide against Native Americans. Um, all of those uh, early Dealing with Ameri- both components of that larger genocide. Gotcha. Lo- you, you lost me for a second. I'm back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I mean, there's there's a there's a, a I guess an even handedness there um, in terms of what, uh, you know, as, as far as the uh, the war criminality goes, it kind of goes a little. I mean, obviously, it was one sided and massively, but also. Women uh, and, I look, if somebody invades your home, there's no war crimes. That's the way I look at it. Well, I mean, women and children dying. You know, there's yeah. there's a lot of that. You know, and yeah, it's, that's it, fair. It, you know, it's de- something you got to talk about. Mutual mutual dehumanization. Great is what I'm trying great, to say. Great, great. Um, and so I'm not trying to excuse. I, I knew you were getting somewhere. I was just like, well, let's challenge what you're saying because then it'll help you get to where you're trying to go. But, Very good point. But that's the thing. And one of the things that I talked about last year, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, because it had just dropped, is the 1619 project. Gotcha. And uh, everybody's all hot and bothered about this one. Now. They are now, yeah. Yeah. And so a year later. I, I've had students say, Hey, you mentioned that podcast. I'm like, Yeah, I didn't know that was gonna be a thing. Yeah. But also remember history for crying out loud. You know, there's a there's a way in which it's blood drenched, full of slavery, full of exploitation, full of these, you know, sort of moments. And uh here we are in the contemporary moment in twenty twenty, you know, many, many years removed from nineteen eighty four, and we're still pretending like things in the past did not happen, and we want to do everything we can to prevent those memorializations of those moments from occurring. And uh one of the great problems of all societies, uh, it seems to me, is that we are very, very good at memorializing things of which we are proud. Mm. Things of which we see as successes. Mm. That those memorials are always, you know, there's never a need for reminding and remembering of those kind of things, and or think or, or situations of which we find ourselves to be victimized. But when we are the victimizers, when we have done the terrible thing, yeah, we have a harder time putting up a plaque. And that is the plaque. I mean, I think it's good to have no, the good things. Y- your remembered. successes get plaques. I think your failures should have buildings and statues. Exactly. And, and Some countries have this figured out. Yes. A little bit. But less so on this side of that pond. This is what we have is plaques. I don't know if you know this. For the uh, Trail of Tears, there's a couple of plaques. I learned that recently. And yeah, it's not surprising. It's historical just, markers just, along the side of the road. You get a handful, yeah. 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 But not, you know, the, the, the places in which tourists gather. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, not, not those kinds of things. I'll tell you where there is a memorial. And this is interesting. It's in Oklahoma City where they uh, that Nazi blew up a bunch of people. Like a hundred and some odd. Mm-hmm. They got one for that. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, but we were victimized. This is me grimble grumbling yeah. is what I'm doing. Because yeah. it's, it is the inconsistency of the reaction that is so frustrating, right? Yeah. And I think it, it's part of ghost movies. It's, it's baked into our, our, the American culture. It's baked into ghost movies, right? Is the denial that something is wrong. Is the refusal of the dipshit dad? It's almost always a dipshit dad. Correct. Uh, sometimes a, a, an unruly teenager, right? But it is almost always dad uh, or the you know the most quote unquote traditionally masculine character yeah. in the film that goes pish posh. I say nay. I don't want there to be a ghost because I can't shoot ghosts. Well, yeah, that's why they're scary, dum dum. Right. Uh, I don't know. It's it is interesting. Uh, again, it's it is. I don't know. The longer we do this show, uh, I, I guess I shouldn't. Let me rephrase that. It it never ceases to amaze me how good of a genre horror is. Truly, I, yeah. I, it just blows me away every time we do this dumb marathon every year. We just get st- so 
in the weeds in every conversation because horror does such a good job at engaging with such a variety of different conversations. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's frustrating how good it is, right? At, at especially this issue we're talking about right now at presenting a, a narrative that says you have somebody that says there's ghosts and somebody that doesn't want to believe in ghosts. And it is all taking place on the structure of a story that is about the denial of bad things on a thematic level. It's, it's cool stuff, man. I like well, movies. I like the movies. Is horror what I'm fundamentally is about anxiety. Yeah. Right. I mean, fear is just a uh, sort of outgrowth of that which makes one anxious. Yes. And so what it just forces your, it's just us your body processing fight or flight. Yeah. yeah. And what, 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 what it begins to help us recognize is that anxiety is not just individual and personal, but it's also societal, communal and national. Yeah. That anxiety you feel at work has a lot to do with like, Yes, you are right. Work is dumb, and the way we have work structured and uh, the way we treat labor in this country is stupid. Yeah, right. that anxiety you're feeling is is your flight or flight response. Exactly. About, about the bad thing that's happening to you. Workplace horror. I need to think about that. Ooh. There's a couple of good ones, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I, I, I yeah, need some of that. I can't think of it. There's like two that just came to mind. I mean, Shaun of the Dead of is my first like, yeah, that's a good easy one. one, right? That's a good one. What is that? Is it Mayhem? Yeah, that's I haven't seen that one. Is that the one with Stephen Yin? That's the one with Stephen Yin and uh, Samara Weaving. Yeah, but there's another one that I've actually seen that I'm thinking there's of. Office I can't think of the title. We'll get back to it. There's one yeah. with Max Magalia that I'm thinking. I, of, think, I can't uh, yeah. think of the title. Ooh, yeah. There's some good ones. Dear listeners, send me. Send yeah, me, send, send us your office list. place horror, yeah, uh, workplace horrors. I need some of that. Yeah, yeah. like industrial horror. Oh, well, like a haunted textile mill. I need something like that. Yeah. Ooh. Like but that. Anyway. Anyway, uh, so uh, are there any other big thematic dealios that we want to tackle? Uh, kids as ghost antenna? Do we want to talk about magic kids? And uh, how, uh, you know. It's uh, a pretty standard trope. Yeah, I don't know. Would, do you... I mean, the imagination, I mean, I think allows. Well, them... innocence is what's being violated, yeah, right? Sure. Her, pure, her purity is being well, targeted by the beast. Yeah, the thing that is the, the most terrifying to, yeah. you know, uh, American evangelism and uh, American uh, capitalist uh, Christianity is, yeah, is, is children being uh, manhandled in any capacity. Right. Uh, because they're magic little mirrors or whatever. Well, and her purity is, you know, sort of built into our age. Sure. So, and so the, young, oh, the older brother is, uh, you know, fully capitalistically enclaved, you know, with the uh, the Star Wars blankets yeah, and all yeah. these sort of and the eldest sister is, is like uh, you know talking spins, to boys. Ba- basically, half the movie off fooling around. Yeah, as far com- as we're led to believe, comes home in that last scene with a big old hickey big on her two neck. Two hickeys, I think. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's awesome. Weird movie. Yeah. Weird movie. Weird movie. <laughs> hey, hey, Toby. Hey, Steven. Weird call, guys. Kind of hilarious though. It's funny, but it's I don't know. Also slightly strange. Well, they do have the the fifty year old construction guys hitting I'm her. Say that's why it's weird. Thank yeah. you, Arthur. Uh, but you're right. I mean, that, that's all there, right? We're not reaching too far. It's baked into the movie. Sure. So if we don't have anything further to say, then no, let's I'm go good. ahead and render a verdict. I guess I'll hear what you guys have to say. So show for trash, Dalton. Go. It's a light trashing. It's not. I'm not. Th- Toby Hooper made the Texas King Chainsaw Massacre. Like I can't. That that's a horror movie. That's one you gotta see. You don't need to watch Poltergeist. And that's that's what I have to say about that. All right. What do you say, Arthur? Yeah, it's it's trash. I, I, and it's not like vehemently. I vehemently yeah. trashed Robin Hood. This is just like, it's, yeah. it is what it is. It's trash. Shelf, shelf, shelf. I love this movie. And I mean, our conversation, if nothing else, I sure. mean, should be reasons to justify it. And it is sort of the big day that started a big cycle uh, that we find ourselves into this very day. So I'm going to say shelf, but I will not begrudge you your opinions despite their wrongness. So, uh, without any further ado, then, Dalton, I guess you can say the words and then uh, tell us what you're doing next. Yeah, if you thought the conversation that we had was good, uh, you can get you know involved if, in it if you want. 
Uh, you can send us your long-form feedback about this show to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter at good underscore trash, tweeting out links to the show, uh, film news that we find interesting, uh, culture stuff that we find interesting, and also links to other shows like uh, The Praise Down with Heath and Alex, which is a very good podcast that you should listen to, hosted by friends of ours, uh, and also The Wheel of Randy, hosted by Dan Wade, uh, where uh, he talks about, uh, and I don't know, woo, uh, in relation to when this drops, when that's going to drop. But I was on there just recently. Uh, we talked about the, you got a friend in me. Uh, it's fun. You get to bring a, a Randy song. He tells you about some Randy songs. We talked. We had a good time. So I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm my episode with Dan's up uh, by now. If not, it'll be up soon. Uh, but you should go check that out. Uh, it's at good underscore trash if you want to find us. Again, we'll, we tweet out the links to the shows. We're, we make it easy to find stuff. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. We would appreciate that. Uh, if you want to hang out with me, uh, Dustin and Arthur are on there because they're old men uh, with you know more important and more better things to do with their time. Uh, that was a poorly phrased sentence. I'm so sorry. But if you go no to the better. praise, if you go to at the praise down on Twitter, uh, their pinned link, uh, their pinned tweet is a link to their Discord server, and I hang out in there a lot. You can come watch movies uh, for the podcast with me if you want. I do that sometimes. So yeah, it's a good time. Uh, oh, you can also go to patreon.com forward slash gtm. If you want to help us uh, pay our web hosting fees and listen to Dustin and I play a tabletop, it's fun. It's a good time. Um, if you got all riled up uh, about us talking about current events, I don't know. There's a lot of bail projects in Kentucky you can go throw money at right now. Uh, you should go do that, in fact. Go give money to somebody, like right now. All right, that's the end of this part. Okay, we'll do the next part. Oh, the next part is where we're talking about the next movie, where Arthur normally does this part, but now it's my turn. Hmm. Well, Arthur, I'll ask you. I don't want to ask Dustin. Because uh, Dustin's got too strong an opinion about, or too much a dog in this fight about this. Arthur, do you want to watch House You next, or do you want to watch Dead Ringers next? See, I was pondering what you would choose, because I didn't know if we wanted to do two Haunted House movies back-to-back, -back, or I if you'd want to break it up with Dead Ringers. I think I want to do Haunted House movies back-to-back. -back. Let's do Hazoo. Yeah, we're doing Hazoo. All right. Excellent. Dustin, can you tell the listener anything they need to know about this film? Any cool details? I know that you're a big fan of this one. It's a great Japanese film it's from 1977, and uh, it is this... Well, imagine a episode of Scooby-Doo directed by Rob Zombie. Okay. That's what you have when you have Hasu. It is, it, is, it is as much of a Scooby gang adventure, what's going on, uh, and yet and still very Japanese, and yet and still very garishly, hysterically horrific. Okay. Uh, but mostly silly. It's a very silly uh, horror film. I'm looking forward to it. I think that's on Criterion Collection and Canopy, Correct. both right now? Yes. Okay, so listener, if you want to watch along, that's where you can do that. We're done. All right, then. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. Kisses. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.